Romans chapter 3, verse 9 to 26. Romans chapter 3, beginning verse 9. It says this, What then? Are we better than they? No. In no way, for we have before proved both Jew and Greek that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre, and with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their way. In the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law there shall be no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart <coughs> excuse me, apart from the law, is manifested or made clear, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. Let me just have a wee word of prayer at this point before we think of God's word. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we pray, loving God, that you would prepare our minds to receive your word. Lord, I pray, loving God, as the seed would that the seed would find good soil. I pray, Heavenly Father, you would not allow Satan to snatch it away. Help us, loving God, to see clearly, Lord, tonight that we need to be justified through Christ. Father, I commend this to you and do seek your blessing to be upon us as we think on these words tonight. For it's in Christ's name we would ask it. Amen. It's only verse 23, 24 that we're thinking about tonight. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 23 is simply the need of justification. I was doing sort of maths and I was sitting down there and saved 50 years this December. At the age of 19, and the horrible sons of Ulster flipped on 
And I thought I was a fella, the bee's knees. Until God spoke to me one night in the Free Presbyterian Church on the Weirdney Road under Jim Beggs. And suddenly my eyes were open to the truth of God's word. Never come from a, a Christian background. Suddenly it became so clear. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. It's through Christ, through justification in him and through him, through his death. There's simply three points tonight that we need to understand. We need to really see them clearly because it's to do with, firstly, sin. To do with all have sinned and finally fall short of the glory of God. And that's under the need of justification. Sin Sin exists in man. He or she is born with it. I find it hard to believe that people can even argue that they don't sin. Sin is everywhere you look today in society. A man adds to it throughout their lives, throughout his life, their lives. And the first fact is simply this, that sin brings about guilt. Because we sin, guilt is present in our lives. Many people carry this burden throughout their lives, like a massive millstone around their neck, a yoke that the devil loves to remind them of. It's a massive weight. And I can remember it before it was seen, terrified of death, because I knew I was a sinner. Even then, even though I'd never been in church, I knew I was a sinner and was doing wrong. You know, some are good at maybe hiding it. There's a great weight of sin in their life, but they can hide it well. Maybe they laugh and they joke, but underneath there's still that weight of sin that has to be dealt with. Story is told of Catherine Power. She was a student in the 1970s. She was also the leader of a radical national student strike force. Along with others, they planned to rob a bank in order to buy weapons for the Black Panther terrorist group. Kathy drove the the getaway car and during the robbery a policeman was killed and for the next 23 years she would be on the run she was on the run with the FBI hunting for her high and low she was classed as armed and dangerous changed her name to Alice Metzinger settled down in Oregon started a restaurant, bought a house married and gave birth to a son She was active in the community and well liked and no one was aware of her past but she was. At the age of 44 she was desperately tired inwardly tormented by guilt, chronically depressed and she handed herself in. Her agony was over. Don't know how long she got in jail but she went to jail anyway for what she had done. But she needed to confess The guilt of what she had done was so overwhelming she needed to confess to get that weight off her shoulders and to pay the price. And when I say that the sinner is guilty what I mean is that the sinner is to blame for his own sin and no one else's. You can't blame somebody else for something you have done. The responsibility for their sin and this wickedness belongs to them and to us, to those who would regard themselves as sinners. Many try to blame someone else or circumstances for making them behave the way they do. Often here on TV, sometimes they say, well, I was drunk and I didn't know what I was doing. 
That's nonsense. The responsibility belongs to man and their sin. But God will not accept such an excuse. Man is without excuse. Sin is not a violation against your own nature or against human law, although it can be in some cases. But your sin is a violation of God's law. Your sin is against God himself. And that's a serious situation to be in. The psalmist says, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Sin is an offence against God. It's a deliberate rejection of God's will and law. Little wonder we feel guilty because of our sin. Sin brings about guilt. Second fact is that sin leaves a stain. One man described the stain of sin like this. One drop of ink in a glass of water colours colors the whole glass. And our souls are stained by sin. There's nothing in this world that can remove that stain. Not even the soap and water of good works will remove this stain. It can only be removed by holy blood, by innocent blood, by pure blood. And that is the blood that Christ shed on Calvary. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Isaiah 1 and 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Thought of the hymn, we used to sing quite a lot in the city mission. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. The message has not changed from the time of Christ, nor will it ever change. It is only through the blood of Christ that we can know cleansing and purifying in that blood. The third fact that is sin is simply it's the power that sin can have on your life. You cannot escape from it. You cannot hide from it. Sin has the power to deliver you out into a lost eternity, out into eternal damnation to a place called hell, cast forever from the presence of God and his Christ. Sin enslaves its victims. The soul is in bondage to its power. Men and women are held fast by its power. Whether it's alcohol, sex, adultery, drugs, Pride, gossip, idol worship, money, people, possessions, or the old cult. People are held fast by sin, no matter what it might be. Well, my friend, tonight I have good news for you. Because Jesus can and does break the chains of sin that binds people's life. And he wants to set you free tonight. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a, a joyous thing? Sometimes when we sing that, Behold our God, seated on the throne. I nearly want to jump up and point to people. Look, God is on his throne. The Ancient of Day has come in and sat down. He can and he will set you free. But you have to call upon him and confess your sin to him. Admit you're a sinner in need of the Saviour. The need of justification has to do with sin. 
but it also has to do with the fact that all have sinned. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, We are all unclean in God's sight. The statement is all embracing. And there are, I'm sure I have no doubt, many maybe sincere Jewish people who believe they have not sinned. Indeed, the same could be said of the Gentiles that Paul spoke about. There are many sincere Roman Catholics, sincere Protestants, who feel the same that they haven't sinned. But neither realises their true condition before a holy God. And you cannot change scripture to suit what you think. The truth is, no matter what your religion, your race, no matter your social standing in life, the Bible makes it very clear that all have sinned. Paul had this to say about the Gentiles, and that is you and me. And he says they they were past feeling. What he meant is quite simply this. They're dead to all senses of sin. If you're a believer tonight, you will know when you sin. Without question, you will know. But many people today are past that situation. They are dead to all senses of sin. And that's a terrible situation to get into. There are people, I know it's hard to believe, who consider themselves to be without sin. My friend, I want to tell you tonight, you sin even in your dreams at night. None of us are righteous. Perhaps you're one of them. Maybe you feel that um, this is past, it's gone. You're dead to all sense of sin. Maybe you feel that you're good enough. I wonder, have you become immune to the gospel? I mean, God forbid that would ever be the case. But it can and does happen. You see, the Jew believed that no Jew could possibly be rejected by God. After all, they were God's people. The God looked on them with absolute favoritism. Even the meanest and worst son of Israel was a prince of the kings of the earth. What prevents them from seeing the true condition of their heart is pride and deadness of the heart. Their conscience is seared. They cannot see themselves as having sinned. But God's word says different. There's a quote which says, this guy said, I knew a man once to live a scandalously immoral life. And when he retired off it, he committed suicide. He left behind him a copy of verses addressed to his father in heaven, in which he told him that he was coming home to dwell with him forever. It's an extreme case of how a man can have an absolute lack of any sense of sin. In this man's case, maybe because of pride. And there are many people like him today, people who feel that they are like the Jew that have no sin and that God will not reject them. My friend, I'm here tonight to tell you that is untrue. We are sinners and if you die without Christ, God will reject you. And the last word goes really to J.C. Ryle. But he said this, that every man has within him the root of every sin. If you think about that, every man has within him the root of every sin. There's not a sin that you cannot commit, in other words. In regards to the need of justification, the sin, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God has set a standard. The great chasm exists 
between God and man. The standard set by God is a life completely free from sin, 100% sin free. Man may achieve a, a very high standard in his life, but he will never achieve the standard set by God. From birth, sin, sin arrives. We were born in sin, we were shaped in iniquity. The chasm I mentioned earlier was brought about by a fall by the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. This chasm cannot be crossed by sinful man. God will not allow sin to enter his presence. In order for man to cross that chasm or achieve the standard set by God so that mankind would live with him in heaven, something had to happen. It was God who provided the way it says being justified freely. By his grace. Justification simply means to vindicate. To declare a person free from the penalty and the power of sin on the grounds of Christ's righteousness. Only the condemned can be justified. Only those who recognize their helpless condition. And who acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. And he is their hope of salvation. Only they can be justified. Justification is by God's grace and mercy. It is free, brought about by the sending of his Son. It is free by the laying of our sin and punishment upon him. It is free in the covenant engagement with Christ and us. It is free also in the offer of all this to us in the gospel. For those who are born again, praise God for his grace and for his mercy. And that's the need of justification. You need to be justified. In God's sight. There is the means of justification. In verse 24. Talks about through the redemption. That is in Christ Jesus. Redemption. is a ransom. Buying back. Paying of something for another. Who owed a debt. He couldn't pay. Now, situation failure to pay resulted in either going to prison or being sold as a slave. The payment of that debt by another constituted his redemption from prison or slavery, ransomed from bondage. And that was, is what Christ has done for us. From that time, the one redeemed is owned by his or her redeemer. And you get that on board, Christian. 50 years I've been, I've been saved and Christ owns every part of my being because of what he has done. He ransomed my soul. He paid my debt that I had no chance of ever repaying unto God. And he will do the same for you tonight. All mankind has sinned against God. Therefore all mankind is in debt. We owe to God a massive debt. We have no hope of paying it. But Jesus paid it all in full at Calvary. If you come to Jesus, he will cancel your debt. Yes, you don't deserve it, not by any stretch of the imagination. If you come to Jesus, he will cancel all your debt, past, present, aye, even future. He will forgive freely, blot out your transgressions. God not only forgives, but he also forgets. Think in my mind, I think it says, what makes a Christian a Christian 
is not perfection, but forgiveness. And that forgiveness can only be found in Christ, nowhere else. Redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the righteous demands of the law, even though he was a man who broke God's law in the Garden of Eden. Jesus presented himself as a perfect sacrificial lamb, without spot, without blemish. He was willing to lay down his life for you. The true story told on Sunday the 22nd of December 1996 of a man called John Taylor. He was working on a bridge on Interstate 64 in America. It was icy. The car skidded and knocked him into the freezing waters of the river. He sustained injuries to his pelvis and face. But at that time a barge was passing. The captain saw what happened. He knew Excuse me. <clears throat> he had minutes to do something or the man would drown. But he also knew to dive in. He could die from the freezing water temperatures. He had a family. It was only two or three days, three days to Christmas. But undaunted, he did dive in. He hung on to the man until help arrived. He suffered from mild effects of the cold and Mr. Taylor recovered. Here was someone willing to risk his own life that a stranger might live. That's what Christ did. He went further. Christ died for the ungodly. He died for his enemies. He died for you and for me. Romans 3, 24, 23, 24. We're all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Acts 4 and 12, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What a name. There's no other name, no other way for any anyone or for anybody here today to be saved except through him. This powerful name of Jesus can deliver you from the guilt, from the stain, and from the power of sin today. But you must repent of your sin. You must call upon the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy. The offer is here for you. I trust through the power of his Holy Spirit you might respond accordingly and call upon Jesus at this time. Thank you.